It is Wednesday, July 26th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Ploof. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Speaking of rides, you had quite the turbulent one from Los Angeles to New Jersey yesterday. But I'm, I'm glad you're here. I booked a nonstop flight. Let me just tell you that. Didn't end up being nonstop as we had a pit stop <laughs> in Baltimore to refuel. There was a little thunderstorm in the area. But you know what, dude? Uh, my kids were great. We're all here in New York City um, in the office right now. It's great to see everybody. And then to be able to say hi, do talking baseball, and then get to do this with you, there's nothing better, C-Rose. Nothing better. Well, let's get to it. Uh, let's start with a tip of the cap to the Ploofs, first of all, for hanging in there on that cross-country flight with kids at that age. That ain't easy. But a tip of the cap to the West Coasters as well. Bay Area series between the Giants and A's was in San Francisco last night. We know that a little bit more than a month ago, we had the whole, you know, reverse protest in Oakland. Well, last night, similar thing kind of happened across the bridge. So those are echoed chants of sell the team. So there were A's fans definitely in attendance, but there was definitely some help from their brethren across the bay, which I loved. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's always that little bit of uh, brotherhood between those two teams. As you know, obviously you're playing uh, in different leagues. I don't think it's like a New York Mets versus Yankees thing. I think there's some mutual respect almost there. Uh, and in this situation, yeah, they banded together and made the message loud and clear. Yeah, it's almost like, hey, it's okay for me to punch my brother, but if you're going to punch my brother, we got a problem. Something so like I thought that, that was, yeah. yeah, I thought it was really cool. Tip of the cap there. All right, let's get it going with uh, a crosstown rivalry, the Cubs and White Sox. Chicago takes game one of that set. Two homers out of Dansby Swanson. Seiya Suzuki brought one back from Johan Moncada, had to settle for a sack fly instead of a grand slam. So the Cubs take the opener. In fact, they've won six of seven. They are five back in the NL wild card. They are six back in the division. We've been talking about them selling, particularly Stroman and Bellinger. But should they just add and go for it? This is an interesting situation to me. Typically, I would say, no, look, I don't think you guys are close enough. And I know you've been playing good ball as of late, but if you really want to, you know, bring something back and, you know, kind of reset yourself up for next year, you'd want to trade these guys. But to be honest with you, I think this is a situation where you just kind of keep these guys and and, and roll for it because that that fan base, I think, deserves it. If you if you show up and you support the team in down times and and in good times, I think there are times where a front office needs to keep players. And if you want to sign these guys next year, what better way to do that than to keep them and get and try to make a, a run at the postseason, create you know even more of that clubhouse camaraderie? Uh, I think there's not a huge chance that they end up making the playoffs even if they do keep both of these guys but like i said sometimes i feel like ownership in the front office almost owes it to a fan base to give it a go if you end up keeping bellinger you'll get a draft pick for him you're gonna offer him the qualifying offer he's gonna turn down so you get a draft pick if you sell bellinger right now what are you gonna get a 10 to 15 15 to 20 type prospect which is you know great you get your 
you know, upgrade your farm system a little bit. Stroman, what are you going to get for him? Similar, I think it's going to be like a 10 to 20 prospect for both these guys. They're both rentals, right? And we know that those rentals don't get massive returns. So I think if you're looking at it that way, now, if you keep Stroman, you're not going to get anything for him at the end of the year because he's already received the qualifying offer. But sometimes to me, giving the fan base something to cheer for, you know, at the end of the season is, it should mean more than, you know, a prospect of that caliber into your organization. Like I, I just, sometimes you got to just say, you know what, let's give the fans what they deserve. And I think this is one of those situations. The Stroman one's a little more difficult because there is no compensation attached sure. to him. So if he becomes a free agent, he truly walks and there's nothing that can help the Chicago Cubs organization other than bringing him back. Um, so, to me, that's actually kind of a tough one, to be honest with you. Um, but I understand what you're saying. I also have to look at the big picture here. This little mini run that they've gone on over the last seven games have come against the Cardinals, the White Sox, and the Nationals, who are three of the six or seven worst teams in baseball. But, I, you know, the Cubs have nothing to apologize for. The schedule's the schedule. It's just a question of how you have to look at your team, right? I think Carter Hawkins is is the name of their GM, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how are he and Jed Hoyer looking at this team and saying, do we really have enough to push over the top, to catch up on Milwaukee, to best those other teams that have kind of been bouncing all over the place at the bottom of the wild card? I don't know. They've done a, such a nice job rebuilding their farm system. They've got some guys that are going to help them on next year's team just make sure you're giving up somebody that's not going to help you anytime in the immediate future. And then I'd say, go for it. But like, what do they really need to add? Sure. You could add a bullpen arm that'll help you, but um, their starting rotation is kind of set. This is a, uh, an interesting tidbit here. And I'm reading in, in uh, the athletic, there's an article on the Cubs and their trade deadline. And one thing that Another thing to consider for these teams, and this is something like the Angels are considering when they're thinking about trading Shohei or not, is what does it do to your market? Now, the Cubs, uh, they are presented by Marquee Network, which I believe mm -hmm. they own, and they just rolled right. out a direct-to-consumer product. So if you're doing that, then all of a sudden you trade away you know, your top guys and basically saying we're kind of going to be done for the year. If you trade those guys, you're basically – waving the white flag, right? To do that after you announce your... your yeah, hey, can I ask a question? He's What's right going here. on here? He's, I don't what know. Do we got going I on? think he's getting a charger, maybe. This is his office. He, does, he can do whatever he wants. But if you get rid of those guys, listen, if you get rid of those guys, what's, what do you, what's message are you sending you know, to your fan base? And then you, you just roll out this product and all of a sudden, you got no product on the field. So look, sometimes you have to take these things into consideration. What do they just open up yeah. around Wrigley Field? You know, a, a bunch of stuff for fans to come and enjoy. You know, place your money on the Cubs. And all of a sudden, you're going to give up on this season. Sometimes, I don't know, like it, it might not make sense roster-wise to do it, but almost business-wise, I think it might make sense to keep these guys and go for it. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see the argument. The Stroman thing makes it difficult. That is really difficult that if he ends up going somewhere else, and I don't know if he's going to or not, but if he goes somewhere get else. Get a deal done. Then get a deal done with him. Then he won't go somewhere else. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Speaking of interesting, it's the reason I'm wearing the Padres cap. Probably most of you didn't see the 
late night game or probably weren't watching it live. Juan Soto hit a Titanic shot, I think 418 feet um, off of Angel Perdomo. Next hitter, Manny Machado gets 98 in the back. Machado just stared at him, didn't charge the mound, walked slowly to first. Umpires all got together, took like 90 seconds, two minutes, and they determined Perdomo beat it. Get out of here. They said that the intent was to go nail Machado between the one and the three. And so they ejected him. Here's Machado and then Soto after the game. Uh, I guess people don't respect people anymore. I guess that's what's changed. Um, you know, 300 pumps in the show and, you know, <laughs> 10 years plus. But, uh, you know, it just is what it is. I mean, ain't, ain't, ain't no worry. He's putting his teammates in damage too because we, we got pitchers that throw hard too, so. Uh, at the end of the day, he's sore. If you don't want to get, give up homers, strike out people. So, Any problem with the way this was handled by umpires or players? I mean, those are some excellent quotes by Soto and Machado. Machado, a little taster sesh right there on himself. 300 pumps in the show, 10-plus years. Yeah, I got that. You know, <laughs> I, after watching, you know, Perdomo throw that ball inside, as an outsider's perspective, I you know, him and Shelton both said it wasn't intentional that's what every pitcher says just looking at it it looked intentional i mean the way he threw that ball was one of his hardest pitches Wait. of the night and like it just really it looked like that's kind of where he wanted to throw the ball now right. again, i don't know 100 it might have been one of those things and this happens quite often with pitchers i'm gonna go inside and if it's too far inside it's too far inside it's not an ideal time to hit someone but just looking at it, and you know, I'll taste myself over a hundred pumps in the show, you know, nine years, whatever it is. Uh, my expert opinion was it kind of looked like that. Like, hey, I'm gonna throw inside, and if I hit him, so what? So, you know, I I if there is a little bit of that intent, I think the umpires have the right to throw him out. It's kind of strange that they did without really knowing. I, I usually you'd expect a warning there, but what Soto said is right. Hey, if you want to start throwing it, guys, you're putting your team in danger. I always say that, man. If you're a starting pitcher and you want to go after a guy because you're getting hit, I think it is soft, and you are putting your teammates in danger because you're not stepping in the batter's box. You get to stand up there and throw balls at someone and, and get no retaliation whatsoever on yourself, only putting your teammates in danger. So I don't like that aspect of it. Um, I was actually shocked that the umpires threw him out, but in my mind, there it did seem like there was at least a little bit of intent. I have no problem with what the umpires did. And I always, judging intent is a very challenging thing. And it's a slippery slope because you're trying to get inside the head of another human being. And I don't like to do that. But man, I was watching this live and I was like, holy shit, did you see that? I was watching with, uh, with our oldest son, Josh. And he was like, that dude just threw at him intentionally. You didn't have to have played baseball and hit 106 homers in the show with nine years plus, I think, to figure that one out, because it certainly looked that way. I wouldn't be surprised if Carlos Santana, Austin Hedges, Rich Hill all went up to Perdomo after the game. It was like, don't do that. You are putting our guys at risk. What Soto said was dead on. It was very Kevin Cash-like. Remember a few years ago, I think it was embroiled with the Yankees in a in a tough regular season where guys were getting hit, and he goes, we have guys that not throw 98 too. And it reminded me a little bit of that. And and Soto's a dead on. Says if you don't want to give up homers, be better. Strike people out, and then you can dance. Instead, I hit a homer 418 feet, and I let you know about it. 
So go get him next time. This is it's all intertwined though, right? Soto hits the homer, he looks at it, it's great. And I know that I know that's part of the game now. Okay. And mm -hmm. I'm for it. Again, yeah, you crush a ball like that, you should be able to look at it. But that's not how the game it's not fully there yet. We still have pitchers and guys that don't like that. So if you do hit a homer and you do that, then it can spark what happened with the pitcher. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that is the order of things that happens in the big leagues it, people want to say hey like it's all good like we're, we're at that point now we're able to do whatever we want we should be able to celebrate and i agree i'm just telling you as for perspective not every player in the big leagues believes that not every pitcher is okay with you staring at a homer and doing that although the fans and you know most people are there are pitchers in the big leagues that just aren't there yet and this this happens it's archaic and it always it has is, been. I used still, to have this slow moving. I I used to have this discussion with the, all the analysts who played, you know, while I was growing up at MLB Network, and I couldn't believe it. I'm talking to guys, you know, guys that I consider friends, and I'd be like, "Do you understand what you're saying? You're saying because they're not playing because certain players aren't playing the way the right way. What the fuck does that mean?" Most of the guys I watch celebrate, play the the game the right way, and that is playing as hard as they can. So if you want to go celebrate, go celebrate. Like, I cannot believe that we're still hitting people because your feelings are hurt. That's what it comes down to. It's such bullshit. Think of it. In no, no other part of society do we go about life that way. <laughs> do we practice physical harm against somebody because you got your feelings hurt? And if you do, you end up in prison. That's what happens. It's in, yeah, that's interesting. I I I don't love, I don't really love any of it to be honest. Baseball better come out with minimum of a five game suspension for Perdomo. Minimum. Well, they kind of have to now that he got tossed. Unless yeah, they, they want to make the umpires just look stupid, they like have to. There is a suspension coming. Yeah, and there should be, and that's the way it'll go, and that's the way it should be. So, there you go, everybody. Hey, Saturday, July 29th, 8 o'clock Eastern. Anticipated fight. Errol Spence Jr. taking on Terrence Crawford, undisputed welterweight world championship. It is live on PPV.com. Did you know that PPV.com is the only streaming platform where boxing fans can participate in live interactive fan chat hosted by boxing experts? And for Spence and Crawford, the chat hosts will be led by none other than our own old man, Dan Canobio. Yes. He'll be joined by his buddy, Chris Algieri and legendary boxing writer Lance Pugmire. The chat is an awesome place to live. If you've joined us for Blitzball Battle 3 or the Ball and Play League, the chat is always the happening place. A lot of give and take, going back and forth, talking shit, having fun, getting information, getting opinions. That's where you want to hang out for the night. PPV.com is the most convenient, most reliable, most engaging way to stream pay-per-view events, and there are no subscriptions required ever. That's a big deal. You can download the PPV.com app to all your favorite devices, which means you can watch it on your computer, you can watch it on your phone, and, of course, on your big screen TV. So order Spence Crawford on PPV.com right now. Believe us, it is the best way to watch this fight. You will not want to miss out. And you can talk to Dan about Blitzball Battle 3. That's the way it rolls. Love that. We roll on with the Mets taking the opener of the Subway Series. By the way, how's everybody doing up there? today based on that uh i have my mets uh coffee cup here that 
I'm drinking out of. And you know, the vibes are okay. Jake said the stadium last night was real rowdy, like almost uh hmm. like the Yankee fans are they want the team just to go psh, straight down. So that's an interesting vibe. I'm going tonight with my family. I gotta protect them. Yeah, you do. Well, if you sit in the outfield, be careful because there might be a Pete Alonzo home run ball coming your way. There were oh. two of them last night. Justin Verlander looked great, six shutty. Uh, some are wondering if that was Verlander's last, last start with the New York Mets. Of course, we've got the trade deadline now less than a week away. He, of course, does have a no-trade clause. So, JV, you staying or you going? I would hope that um, if there was any chance that um... – you know, Billy would, would come and talk to me, uh, um, and, 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 and that hasn't happened. So, uh, um, you know, I, I, I told you that I'm focused on being a Met. That's why I, I, I signed here. Um, I want to win here. Obviously, it hasn't gone according to plan just yet, but uh, I didn't sign a one-year deal. So, you know, there's that. So the odds of him leaving are not great. But yesterday on the AMP portion of our program, and by the way, download AMP and you can join us every Monday through Friday live on your iPhone, contribute to the discussion. Our buddy Fayo suggested that Verlander have a return trip to Houston. If he does get traded, is that the best landing spot? It's one of them. Uh, I like the idea of him doing that. Now, for me, it's it's. I feel like it is probably a stretch that Verlander goes. Um, first of all, he's you know he's owed forty three million dollars, and then he has like a vesting option. If he pitches one hundred and forty mm-hmm. next year, it becomes a player option for twenty twenty five. I think it's going to be tough for Steve Cohen to put together this roster, not have success with it, and then take away a guy that is actually having success, taking him away from the roster after he said like he wants to bring a championship to New York. They're not going to get it done giving away players like Justin Verlander. So to me, I, I think it is a very small chance he goes um, because even in trades, I feel like a team is going to ask them to eat some of the salary, and that just seems like that's not going to happen. So I don't think he goes anywhere. But if you're asking me the best landing spot for him, I think there's a bunch of teams. I think the Rangers are one. I think that's... the Houston makes a lot of sense. Obviously, he he's there. He's comfortable. Probably be willing to waive the no trade clause. Uh, And then the other two that I just think are going to be massively into the starting pitcher market are the Reds and the Orioles. Now I'm curious to see if Verlander would waive his no trade clause to go play because it wouldn't just be for this year, it'd be for next year as well. Like is that, are those places that he would want to go? I, if he's thinking about wins and, and being in the postseason, then, then yes, he would want to go there, but I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think he does get traded. I don't think Houston's the best spot for him. I would probably put that at Baltimore, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But, again, I just don't think he gets traded. So, spin up the Wayback Machine when he got traded from Detroit to Houston. And mm-hmm. at that point, he was seen a little bit as too high-priced, wasn't at the top of his game when he was traded. Remember that? He was not that yeah. Justin Verlander's had a lot of downtime in his career. He was but coming he up had, TJ. No, not when he was traded. I thought he had had that um was it a, an abdominal issue that he had had like a core muscle surgery or something like that. He he didn't have TJ until he got to Houston, right? I thought that's what we were talking about. No, no, no when he got to Houston. I'm saying oh, when okay, he was okay. traded from Detroit to Houston. Part of the narrative, whether it was true or not, was that 
Kate wasn't going to rubber stamp that deal. Even if it was good for Justin, maybe not great for her. Well, she loved it apparently down there. He had tremendous success both individually and as a team. And I think you I think you nailed it with Baltimore. I think you nailed it. Like they feel like they're up and coming similar to a similar path that the Astros were at that time that they traded for him, right? We now know the Astros is a team that's been to the World Series four times that has won two of them. But when Verlander got traded there, that hadn't happened yet, right? That was in 2017, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think it's, I think Baltimore's the right spot. And plus, I love their young talent that they've got. I'm sure that they would be willing to give some now. The what are you shaking your head about? I always forget the Giants in this in these situations. Yeah, that's like a good one. They're looking like they're looking to be aggressive to to make their team better. Uh, so you can't rule out the Giants, but I like the Giants and the Orioles uh, again. It just seems weird to me because I think these teams are going to want the Mets to eat some of the salary. You know, they'll get a, the mm-hmm. Mets will get a better prospect back if they do that. So you know that's something to think about, but. Dang, dude, I just can't imagine Steve Cohen being like, you know what, let's eat this salary, get rid of this guy, and where are we at next year? Oh, we're kind of worse off next year. And then, you know, where what's our team doing? You know, I mentioned last episode that I was on that I think that the Padres have a better core to build around than the Mets, but a lot of Mets fans shot back at me and say, We have a core too. Like we have we have guys that have control and 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 this and that. So I, I don't know, man. It, it it seems very unlikely to me that he gets moved. It, it'd be a reversal of of you know paths, I guess, for the Mets. Well, here's part of the problem with him going to the Orioles. If if we're throwing that one out there, you know how much money they have committed to their team next year? Probably less than he's going to make. Fourteen and a half million dollars. Yeah, so and so, do you think that the Angelos family is going to tack on another forty million for just one guy? If it's for one year, then yeah, that's the thing. Do you about think it. so? If they tip first of all, so? again, I think if he gets traded, they're going to have to eat some money, so it won't be forty three million. It'll be less than that, whatever it may be. It might be thirty, uh, but I think why not, dude? I'm with you. I think it would be a. You don't think that Rodriguez would, uh, Grayson Rodriguez would benefit being around exactly. Justin Verlander exactly. for a year and a half? Exactly. I mean, of course. You're investing in your team. I'm just saying I'm not so sure that that's the way that that would go. Okay. All right. Uh, Dodgers had a crazy come-from-behind win. They were down 7-3 going in the ninth. They forced extras with a four-run frame. Uh, ended up winning it. Walk-off variety. Tough loss for the Toronto Blue Jays there. Uh, but the side note from Tuesday was that they welcomed back a familiar face. Kike Hernandez will be back in the fold. Yes. Traded from Boston for two pitchers that could help the Red Sox a little bit down the stretch. They've had so many injuries with their pitching staff. Um, and the Dodgers are also picking up a little bit of the tab. I think he's got three and a half uh, million remaining on his contract this year. Does this trade do anything for you? Uh, it's an interesting trade for kind of both teams. I know the Red Sox haven't been like he's not playing shortstop anymore and he hasn't had, you know, an excellent year. Um and then the Dodgers, you know, they need to hit or like what Kiki can what Kike can do for the Dodgers is help what left hit against left-handed pitching. They've been able to do that decently. So it's not like they really need that. He can play a little bit of shortstop, but the 
defensive metrics aren't great there this year. So I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's an interesting trade. Is it, is it a clubhouse vibes thing? Glue guy thing. I understand that he can play a bunch of different positions and you can, and deploy him in many spots, but it doesn't seem like it was like the most obvious fit for the Dodgers. So I, I'd love to know if there's something they saw like in his swing that, Hey, maybe we can get him back and, you know, we've seen Kike go on some runs in the postseason and, and be one of those guys that can get hot and help a team. Um, it it doesn't do a lot for me, I guess, to answer your question. I'm kind of curious to see how the Dodgers use him. And if they have some creative way, uh, then maybe I'll, I'll change my mind. But if you're asking me, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the tingly factor here for me? They're like a 4.5 to a 5, to be honest with you. But you could get more tingly come October, and I think that's why this trade was made. I think they're hoping that a comfort level will help reclaim his swing a little bit. He has not been good this year. Now, you talked about him against lefties. Career-wise, he's over 800. This year, it's not good. Mid-sixes, something like that. Um, You talked about his positional versatility, being a good athlete. That helps you in playoff games when you have to Mm -hmm. pinch hit for certain guys stuff like that. Um, so that can really help you. Defensively, he was a nightmare at shortstop. I mean, he was on Rose rotation in the spring and said, hey, listen, wait till you see me at shortstop. I've waited my whole career. Uh, apparently, injury was a little bit of the issue for him. Um, bad shoulder at times, but he's. I think he leads the bigs in airs. And he just it hasn't been good. Now, like I said, if you have to make some moves come playoff time, it's always good to have a guy like that, particularly when he's got, I think he's got 13 playoff home runs in 171 career at bats. That ain't bad. That's no, I'll and, take and, it. You know, like if, especially if he becomes a bench piece, the versatility plays there. The Dodgers bench isn't exactly super uh, deep right now. So you add a veteran who understands crunch time and he's been in every single situation you can think of. Those are the things that, you know, not everyone can bring to the table. So Kike being able to do that obviously helps in the clubhouse. He's going to be incredible because that's, you know, the kind of guy he is. So, I, I mean, look, Kike is a good player and it can help a roster. It just was interesting to me. Like when I saw the trade go down, I was like, that's, doesn't seem like a super logical fit, but if you're looking for a, a like a depth piece for your bench, then yeah, he fits. All right. The world is all about technological advancement. We know that. Well, now we can combine Trevor Plouffe's favorite pastime, sleeping, with technological ingenuity. There's something inspired by NASA called Miracle Made. It uses silver-infused fabrics, makes temperature-regulating bedding, so that you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Here we are smack dab in the middle of summer. It is gross outside. It is hot. It is humid in a lot of areas, even here in Southern California. I don't know if you're anything like me, but my body temperature is all over the place at night. And so I want to feel good. And that's why I cannot wait to have these miracle made sheets put on the bed. It is happening today in the Rose household. They have self-cleaning designed for your skin as well. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, which can clog your pores. So it allows them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. These miracle sheets are also luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. So try miracle.com slash today to try miracle made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or for a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you're going to save over 40%. And if you use the promo code today at checkout, you get three free towels and save an extra 20%. 
Miracle is so confident in their product, it is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So for whatever reason, you're like, ah, they're not great for me, 100% fully refunded. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash today. Use that code today for a free three-piece towel set and save 40% off. Once again, that is trymiracle.com slash today to treat yourself. Enjoy. All right, before we get out of here on the podcast and the YouTube side of things, what was a crazier scene last night? Matt Brash getting Willie Castro to swing at one that ended up between his legs or the Braves turning the season's first triple play on some, well, let's put it questionable Boston base running. Yeah, that was not great base running. I'm going to talk about my boy Willie Castro and Matt Brash. Hopefully you're going the opposite way. Uh, I think uh, Matt Brash is one of the most underrated relievers in the game. His stuff is just absolutely filthy, especially that slider. So I don't actually fault Willie for doing this. Number one, he's a switch hitter. So sometimes things can go a little uh, out of whack. And that Brash slider is filthy. He played a, a huge role in the Mariners win last night as they came back against my twins, put up a four spot, and then he shut him down in the bottom of that eighth inning. Um, it's never good. When you swing at a ball that goes through your legs, though. So I got to yeah. give my boy, next time I see Willie, I'm going to have to give him a little something for that. Uh, but again, Brash is, if, go watch that guy pitch. If you haven't watched him pitch, he's got 98, 99, and then throws that freaking Frisbee slider up there. It's disgusting. So tough to see, but I understand it. By the way, you're off amp. So if you can get back on amp. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that triple play was strange. I was watching. I was like, did they just get a triple play on some really weird base running? Adam Duvall knows better. He was he was caught way off first base on a ball that was, wasn't was even a diving catch in the outfield. And we nailed the runner at third. Like, triple plays, you want to be able to celebrate them? Instead, you're like, the fuck did Boston just, do? Yeah, what did they just do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, triple play, you're like, oh, my God, we just saw a triple play. That was awesome. Ball was hit directly in third base. But you stepped on third, through the second, through the first. That was awesome. Great way to kill a rally. It's good. This is like, this is weird. That's the first one that's been uh, rolled this year. How, how many do we average on a year? That's a question for some, some people. That Yeah, that's one I'm not going to compute right now, but maybe we will. Uh, we are back at it again tomorrow. Are you going to join us from the studio again? I will be here live in the studio tomorrow. Yes, sir. Love it. Love it. Can't wait for it. Uh, make sure you check the time. We'll probably go 1130 a.m. Eastern, 830 a.m. Pacific if you want to join us live on the AMP app. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented and in-studio Trevor Plouffe, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Thursday on Baseball Today.